0: Everybody, I'm James Gonzalez, uh, associate uh, pastor here at Wellspring. I'm joined by Scott Smith, he's our lead pastor, Phil Marens, our worship pastor, and uh, Tyler Davidson, our student pastor uh, here at Wellspring. Today, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that some might call controversial, uh, a topic that we, you know, we committed to talking about things that aren't always the easiest thing to talk about. So, today, we're going to talk about immigration. So, what does the Bible say about immigration? And uh, unlike some of the other topics where initially it might have been tough to find some scripture that spoke directly to uh, to this topic, uh, there, there actually is quite a bit uh, a, a mention of the word or words that can be translated to uh, immigrants or immigration, particularly mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. So uh, let me start with this question. You know, why should we even discuss? Uh, what the Bible says about a topic that can be so controversial as immigration. I mean, if there are uh, topics that might get you into an argument around the Thanksgiving dinner table, this could probably could be, be one of them. Yeah, so, I agree. So what do you think? Why talk about this in this in this podcast? I'll start on this one. Um, especially considering the, all
1: the things that have been happening this year, especially of late. Um, I don't know that we for Christians see too often um, folks who are who are talking and looking at things through the lens of their own discipleship so I think that there's a difference between thinking about something well or, or a good word on on a certain topic such as immigration and a biblical word um, there's a it can be a, a good word can be um, something that just works well fundamentally in, in society things that things that work um, you know, if you if you uh, uh, struggle with with depression, you can go to a therapist, and they're probably going to help you out with that. Now, we as Christians would say that the ultimate solution to um, the feelings and things that you have is is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, because Christ is our is our great phys- physician. He can he can heal whatever ailment uh, that we might that we might face and have. But there are worldly things that that count and, and do matter. Um, and yeah, so there, there's there can be a good word on on immigration that seems to make sense and really resonate with us, um, but we still need to run all of those good words, wise words, through the lens of our own discipleship. And so that's why I think it's incredibly important that we talk about this from a from a biblical uh, view and biblical standpoint.
2: I think it's just great to have a have a biblical perspective on every part of your worldview. And if people in a congregation especially are struggling with how to think about issues, it's just good to know what the scripture, if what, if the scripture addresses certain things.
3: Yeah. I think that this is important to to talk about, uh, because our, our society, um, makes everything political. Every issue is a, a political issue on some level. And, and I would say even just as a pastor at Wellspring, um, that many of of our church, and maybe I'll even lump myself in here, just so I'm not I'm not doesn't seem like I'm picking on any area or group. Um, but when we hear an issue, um, we automatically think, okay, what do the Democrats think about it, and then what do the Republicans think about it?
1: Where and, do I fall in that?
3: And, and yeah, and, and what am I? Who am I? And so I'm going to align with what is being taught from that from that aisle, I guess. No. Um, and that's not always. That's not always what the Bible says about it. Like the, the, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, they don't have a corner on what the Bible says about this issue. I think we're going to see this as we, as we talk about it. It's not quite as easy as which party is, say, is right and which party is wrong. Right. So well, I think that's why this, this topic in
0: particular is important to talk about. Yeah, when we discussed launching this summer, Wellspring University Summer Series podcast... This was one of the topics that came up on day one. Yeah, and one of the reasons was because we recognize that we, you know, you know, as members of our society, particularly you know, our contem- the contemporary American society, are getting bombarded with information from all angles, uh, and not all of it is always true or fair and, and balanced or whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. And but we're getting opinions interspersed with news, and so as pastors. You know, I think one of the things that we, one of the purposes we can serve is to bring this perspective that is, you know, focused primarily on what the Bible says so that it can be at least in the conversation amongst all these other perspectives. Yep. Here's, here's an interesting um, uh, piece of information that I was able to find while I was doing the research a survey from the Pew Forum on Faith and Public Life. Uh, suggests that just 12% of white evangelicals see this issue primarily through the lens of their faith. Wow. Uh, so, you know, that doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. because the same article that uh, I gleaned that uh, information from indicated that uh, most pastors don't want to touch this mm-hmm. because it can be so uh, emotionally charged, mm-hmm. right? And, and you do have some... some challenges in scripture where you see uh, some discussion about what the Bible says about immigration, but you also have uh, some scriptures that I'm sure we'll get to about what it means to submit to the authorities uh, in the land in which you you live. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a good segue into asking the next question, which is what does the Bible say? What are some relevant uh, pieces of scripture or relevant passages you were able to find as you did your research on this topic? What does the Bible say about immigration?
2: I think you reference some of those Old Testament passages that often come up in this discussion. One is from Leviticus 19, uh, says, "When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat him, treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as you love yourself." Uh, for and he's drawing this conclusion because. Um, you were once strangers in the land. And and it's kind of interesting, a parallel. So many of us in the the United States are are from immigrants that came into this country and it's sort of like, well, you were once a stranger and a sojourner in this land. And now, um, you know, there are other people that are coming into the land. So in a general sense, the Bible um, really commands us to take care of people who are strangers. In fact, Hebrews talks about uh, entertaining even angels who are strange maybe strangers unaware uh, it would seem to be a, a, a very important ethic uh, that God is laying out in the Old Testament that's just one scripture yeah
3: following that right up uh, in Leviticus 23 he actually gives a command to, to help guide um, taking care of those people mm-hmm. when he tells when he tells the the farmers like you just go through one, one time in your field, and you pick up the grain or, or, or the crops, whatever it is, and you don't go back and pick everything up that you dropped. And on top of that, you cut the corners off. Like you're, you're, I don't want you to go all the way to the edge of the field, so that when people walk through your your field, when sojourners walk through your field, refugees, whatever whatever word we want to use, but people that are not from there walk through your field, the poor, um, they're going to be taken care of. So God is making, He's telling us to take care of of those people to, to care for for sojourners, for immigrants. And then he follows that right up with a commandment on what it looks like to do it. So the Bible's pretty clear, especially in the Old Testament. And I know we're going to get to the other side of it here in a second. I, I've got verses for that too. And um, you
2: see a lot of examples in that. I mean, yeah. Abraham, yeah. all the hospitality. Well, we use the word hospitality to strangers and how they took care of people as they came in. You don't want to spend the night in the city square, come to my house. You know, yeah, that's that right. That kind of thing.
1: That's a point that I wanted to make on something that becomes very clear when you read the biblical text on on this topic, is that hospitality exp- expands beyond um, just inviting your friends over. Mm-hmm. right? Biblical hospitality isn't just me saying, James, hey, why don't you um, bring your family over for dinner and... and You've actually never been to my place. I've been I've been to your place a couple of times. Your family wouldn't fit in my place, <laughs> um, but uh, um, but I also know that you've allowed people, you've invited not allowed invited people into your home that you don't know, um, and that's a that's a hospitality that's foreign to a lot of us, but um, to the Bible is something that is extremely common. Um, the word that's probably. The Old Testament word that's probably best translated as immigrant appears 92 times mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Uh, and most often, um, this article here that that I'm looking at says that it's, uh, it's referencing to the immigrant um, in a positive sense, in, in a positive light. Uh, I think when a lot of people, um, at least in our context, think about immigrants, um, it's kind of in a more negative sense. And we've seen that all throughout American history, you know, especially... Um, back east uh, in in New York City, in different places um, where um, immigrants were pushed into their own little towns of uh, Little Italy and you know uh, uh, Chinatown and all yeah. of these different places because they're like well they're they're coming and they're stealing our jobs they're you know uh, they've been just viewed in a very negative way but the Bible doesn't um, talk about. Um, immigrants in that way.
0: Yeah. One other piece of uh, information that, that I was able to, or just just some, some knowledge I was able to get from doing this research that I never really realized before. But if we remember in the book of James, we're, we're implored to love and care for uh, orphans and widows. And I found that uh, the orphans and or fatherless and widows language is, is found in the old testament and in quite a few places and what it was what i realized was that along with that this this group immigrants was often categorized with orphans and, and widows which I, I think it just made me think you know my goodness you know this reveals god's heart uh, as we all know that we're you know james what james says we don't i don't i never really realized that it, it you know, there was scripture that would group immigrants, but just to reference the scripture specifically, Psalm 146:9 says, "The Lord watches over sojourners, immigrants." Uh, another translation for immigrants: He upholds the widow and the fatherless, uh, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So again, grouping those together. Zechariah 7:10: Render true judgment, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Yeah, This is a, I, I know we're,
3: we're doing what the Bible says about it. This may be kind of a, my desire as a pastor to give some examples. But the thing that comes to mind when we talk about this, and I've had this conversation with people over the last few years quite a bit, and the thing that always comes back is, uh, I don't know if you read the book or watched the, the uh, movie uh, Lone Survivor, uh, Marcus Luttrell. And this is a culture that's older than ours. In fact, it goes goes right back to biblical that culture there in Afghanistan. If you don't know the story, it's a guy that was a special forces guy, and everybody in his group was killed. He was the only guy survive, that survived the attack. And he was uh, uh, found by a guy in a push Pashtun, Pashtun village. I guess that's how you'd say Pashtun. it.
1: Pashtun. Pashtun? Yeah, we were talking about it at lunch, actually. Oh, really?
3: You and your dad. Uh, oh, that's my dad cool. And I- my, my dad, dad sorry <laughs> and you were talking about that yeah uh, Pashtun village it, it's called Pashtunwali and it's a it's a traditional code of honor if you find a, a, a sojourner somebody outside of the tribe you bring them into your house and you protect them at all costs
2: mm. yes.
3: and uh, and I, that's what always comes to mind when I think about this like that this is an older culture goes back to biblical times mm. and this is a code of honor that's been passed down.
2: It's very interesting. This very same thing happens in Albania. They actually have a word that's coined called "besa," Uh and it means. And they have a saying about their house. They say, "My house first belongs to God. Then it belongs to the stranger or my guest that I'm bringing in. Then, in last place, it belongs to me." So, and there are there are some amazing stories about Albanians. Uh, Even Albert Einstein leaving and finding refuge in Albania. um, Many of the Jews that were carried, uh, were attacked, they would bring them into their homes, hide them, even represent them as their children to protect them. And the the value that they placed on them, they said they would rather be betrayed themselves or one of their, Sons than to to give up that person, and it sort of reminds you of Lot saying, "Come in my house, you know, and yeah. I'll protect you." It's a very ancient kind of hospitality yeah. practice there.
0: So hopefully, someone out there is saying, "All right, come on, guys, I know what you know, you're telling me," Leviticus and and Exodus say about this topic, but I also know that you know the laws that were designed for Israel aren't necessarily designed for you know the. Me in the United States and Southwest Missouri. So let's make that transition. H- how do we how do we find what may be re- the revealed heart of God in these verses in the New Testament?
2: Well, their hospitality is given as a as a qualification for eldership, and I think we're, mm. we're talking about the mm. same kind of kind of thing. It's a, it's an ethic that's built into the heart of God uh, that He wants to transmit to His people and. There's evidence of that in the New Testament. I mean, the reception, uh, they had to work out a little to receive the Gentiles into the church. And, uh, of course, they maintained uh, a system of helping uh, the widows, and and especially the Greek widows, when they were mistreated, that were taken care of. So there's this uh, idea that we want to make sure that we bring the gospel to the whole world. I think it fits in with that scheme. Yeah is that uh, this church is not just about a Jewish nation. It's about a nation of the whole world. And so there's a compassion toward the nations mm-hmm. that's developed in the Old Testament. The father of many nations, of course, is blessed through Christ. And so it carries on into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think it's a value. Just because you're told you can't kill in the Old Testament, is that still valid in the New Testament? There's still things that carry over, mm-hmm. especially, I think, that if you're talking about widows and orphans, like he talks about in James, there's there's still a category there where the heart of God is reaching out to, to, to really someone who's vulnerable, if you yeah. want to say yeah. it that way. Yeah. Uh, let's let's think about Acts two
1: just for a moment. Um, I'm gonna try to try to pull it up here. Um, Acts chapter two, but uh, in Acts Acts two you have Pentecost. Yes. Right. And what's going on during Pentecost? Well. Everyone, all the Jews, not all the Jews necessarily, but many Jews from all around the world who had been scattered um, as a result of um, Assyrian and Babylonian exile and been moved around because of um, Greco-Roman culture, Hellenistic Jews, um, were living all, all across the world, across the Roman Empire, and many of them spoke um, different languages, and when, when God's Spirit comes... Um, upon upon the people, in um, Acts chapter two, we, we see that uh, the disciples began to speak in in different languages, in different tongues, so that the people around them could understand them, even to the point of the dialect. and And what we see is that um, this is where it says in verse nine where these people were were from. Um, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and their parts of Libya, I and mean, we're talking about northern Africa here, mm-hmm. belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and, and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, our own languages, the mighty works of God. I mean, the first thing that happens when God's Spirit comes upon His people is that the mighty works of God and the message of the Gospel is proclaimed um, to the nations, mm-hmm. to the people who had uh, been welcomed into the city of Jerusalem and given a place to stay by its, by its own residents. Yeah. Um, right. and, and the New Testament does right. give us yeah. such a view toward generosity with our things. What mm-hmm. you said about the people in Albania, how they think of, of their home and their possessions, Something. First, it belongs to God, then to the stranger, and then and then to my family. Yeah, we think about it in a completely different order. We we mostly think about this is my home, and uh, but I'll say it belongs to God, and if it belongs to the stranger, you have to take it from me, or I'm selling it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of the way that we think about it, yeah. not in that order of generosity and hospitality that the the New Testament really gives to us. I'll tell you, I thinking through
3: through this and what y'all have said, just piggybacking, really, I I. If there's one, there are a lot of, of stories in the New Testament that I would like to have been a part of, or at least just kind of been a fly on the wall, so to speak. One of the ones for me is uh, in Galatians when Paul says that he has to confront Peter to his face. Like, he uses that exact term. He said, um, you know, when I when, when Peter came to, to Antioch, I had to confront him to his face because he was eating with the, the Gentile believers, but then James's friend showed up and he and he." Pretend like you didn't even know him, and he said, "That's not right. That, that's that's opposed to the gospel, and uh, I, that's just a, a picture of what I think we're talking about here." Now, uh, the, the the Bible is also clear. Uh, I think, kind of transitioning, uh, it never gives us an out on taking care of the of the uh, of the immigrants. I don't think I don't think yeah. you can find anywhere in the in the scriptures, Old Testament or New Testament, yeah. that gives us an out taking care of the refugees, but. The Bible d- does have a different side that makes this issue a bit com- more complex.
0: Sure, and and before we get to and maybe what you're talking about is Romans. Yes, uh, but before we get there, I, I, the idea of loving our neighbor is pretty clear, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew twenty two thirty nine, Luke ten twenty seven, Romans thirteen nine, and wouldn't it be cool if someone somewhere asked Jesus, "Who Who's is my, my neighbor?" neighbor? <laughs> Wait a uh, second. Right. Yeah. Well, he does that, did does he answer fact, that question? I think again? he does. And in fact, okay. the person who asked might have been a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> talking, about, talking about politics, right? And so, you know, obviously we're, we're referencing the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 25 through 37. And I don't think it's a coincidence for many reasons that Jesus to- chose to use the Samaritan as the one who, who helped the individual on the side of the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, you know, helped him, paid his own money to get them put up in a, in a hotel, basically, uh, because the Samaritans at that time, you know, were considered really a different race. And, and really, you could probably make a pretty strong argument that the, the you know, Israelites in, in Jerusalem considered them a, a different nationality mm-hmm. uh, in some form or another, maybe a common ancestry, but but they were different, no doubt about it, and they were disliked. And so when you look at, you know, some people, not, you know, not... not um, I don't want to again project on anyone, but some people when we look think about other nationalities, particularly when uh, they, they come in our borders or other borders, whether it's the United States North America Europe I mean this immigration is a challenging issue everywhere um, there's that that view that might have been held by the uh, people in Jerusalem you know for the Samaritans and so Jesus you know speaks to that very clearly but like he said, Scott there's another side to this which uh, which I think is where we meet the rub, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's Romans 13, mm-hmm. and I'll read it, the first verse of it. I'll, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So, in light of, you know, our our calling to care for the immigrants among us, yet the reality that we've got, you know, laws and statutes in place that, you know, in some cases are being violated. How do we reconcile those two things? This is the tough question around this particular topic. What, what say you all,
2: gentlemen? I think it's possible to hold both of those values, I think. And, and it's done in a lot of different ways. There's, um, with other things, I mean, we would all agree it's wrong to kill because the Lord says it is, but there are also provisions in the Scripture that allow, for instance, when the soldiers came to John the Baptist, he said, okay, don't, he didn't say, don't quit the army or do what you're told to do. Uh, He said to not extort money from people. And so there are, there are personal responsibilities about things. And then there are civic responsibilities about things. So there's a difference between uh, how we would, we would respond to a person that came in from another country and how we would welcome them in their home now if there's the question of illegality there there's a civic responsibility for a government to to hold order and to hold people accountable and to make justice fair for other individuals i mean if you're taking from one to give it another there has to be some kind of civic system that rules how we how we live together and how we survive together as a yeah. as a society yeah.
0: It's it's a maybe a false dichotomy is what you're saying to right. say that you know they're they're just necessarily opposed to one another is is what I hear you saying which which I, I agree with you know it can be a, a both and in many cases mm-hmm. yeah I uh, if you kept reading in,
3: in Romans 13 verse three mainly but it says for rulers are not a terror to do good conduct uh to good conduct but to bad uh, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Verse 4, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. So I think it's easy to sum up the purpose of government is to honor those who do good and to punish those who do evil. So when when evil is done, God has a mandated, or when a rule is broken, maybe is an easier way to understand it, that, that government has a mandate from God to punish and, and, and whatever punishment looks like. Um, so I, I do think it's a false dichotomy. I, I, I do. I mean, understanding that the that government honors those who do right and they punish those who do evil or, or break the law in, in our context. So I do think it's a false dichotomy. And I think you can hold those in tension. And, and, and maybe at the end I'll, I'll share how I have done that personally. Um, but um, but there's tension there. But I think it's, it's good tension. And I think you can... You can honor the Lord by
1: honoring both,
3: both and.
0: Uh-huh.
1: There's certain attitudes for us to try to avoid in this. And, and, uh, so for me, you know, I want to be, I want to be careful to make sure that whatever my attitudes are towards this situation and specifically toward this one, because this, this becomes a very challenging point for a lot of people, especially people my age, um, um but I just want to make sure that my attitude is in in the right place on this because um, I am I am not being the I'm not the one that's put in the situation to um, to judge those who do evil, right? Like that's the that's the responsibility that Romans 13 gives to the government. Mm-hmm. It's not the responsibility that's been given to me, and so I don't need to carry about me um, a, an attitude of, of distaste and disfavor toward. Uh, toward the immigrant or um, I would say even toward um, illegal immigration because it's not my responsibility um, to to um, uh, execute the laws of, of this country I think I could if I could interject here for just yeah. a second um, it's easy because I
3: agree with you completely it's easy to have a, I don't want to say sinful because then that's putting I'm judging that but it's easy to have a negative, view towards immigration or any issue when, when you're talking about it as an issue
1: mm-hmm.
3: but when you know people when you have names and faces <clears throat> excuse me I have found personally that my view of not just immigration but any issue changes when, when, I, when, when I understand that there's people behind legislation right. or, or uh, executive orders or whatever it is that we're talking about it changes your view. <clears throat> I don't. I'm not saying that you that you lower your view of God's word um, just because you know the person. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you look at the the the, the issue differently, and you can have a, a heart that you're talking about, Tyler, yeah. when when it's people, not just legislation.
2: Really, the issue is <clears throat> is how do you deal with the illeg- illegality part of it? Because I I mean. For instance, my wife and I went up to a service where someone was sworn in as a as a new citizen, and it was just amazing to look around the room and try to figure out what all the stories were of all those people, all shades of colors and mm-hmm. from different countries and wondering what their journey was, and then to watch them go through this process of of taking the oath and everything else. And and there's part of part of justice is that you honor you you set a standard and you honor uh, a people that go through that standard. And and part of our society is sort of removing all of those. And, and, and so we say, well, this person did this, but it's okay. If you do, you know, you get in this way or, you know, we do that in a lot of different areas. I mean, when we talk, we could get into all kinds of areas with forgiving of, of student debt. You know, Mm -hmm. how come is it justice that somebody gets, their debt forgiven, but somebody worked on I mean, it. So we deal with a lot of issues that way. So somewhere we have to figure out how to make those just laws that, that treat people fairly and right. And, uh, and, there, and there are people in the court systems or people in the justice systems that try to figure out those things. And, and we as citizens, just uh, we have a voice into those things and making of policies, but not everybody gets to come into the United States Maybe do a lottery system. I know again in Albania there have so many that can come into well, if if anybody can come in, then then there's a, a little bit of sense of injustice of how do you decide who gets what. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Ty, you want to finish your thought and we can maybe go to final thoughts. Yeah, um, I was going to say that you know there's there's a big part of
1: this conversation. And this is probably a conversation for another day, but um, the relationship between Christ and culture and um, plays a big big role into how we think about these things and, and really a lot of the things that we've been having conversations about but in particularly uh, this one uh, because there there are so many of us that view the United States as a as a Christian nation right that it oh it was founded on judeo-christian values and principles and because of that you know the uh, uh, We've almost sometimes America is viewed as being synon- almost synonymous with the kingdom of God. And it's not. Like America is is quite fallible, believe it or not. Yeah. Um and where it becomes tricky for us as Christians is to navigate these things as Christians in a in a in a nation that is, you know, that's its own sovereign, secular, you know, United States of America. That's it, it is what it is. But um, I think the last thing that I would say on this is that you know James, you and I are about to become immigrants, uh-huh. uh, and it's I. Very it's very different. It's very different. Yeah, I never. <laughs> I'm almost twenty four years old, yeah. and you know, up until last year, I never thought that I would ever be an immigrant. Yeah. Um, it's like why wouldn't you want to live in in the United States? But um, the last thing that I say on this is that because of the Great Commission.
0: Um,
1: The nations are coming in because of the global society that we live in. We have an opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission where we are today. Amen. um, Because the nations are coming to us. 45 minutes from here, um, there is communities of refugees that live close to us that most people in our city um, are really not aware or even exist. We have an opportunity to reach out to them and minister to them and bring the gospel to them. And so the, the, um, we have an opportunity to fill, fulfill the Great Commission here because the nations are coming to us. And I would, I would challenge many of you who are listening to this to consider becoming an immigrant yourself. To go to um, people and places um, that are different from you and different from your culture and experience in order to fulfill the Great Commission. Because we are called to go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel um, of Jesus Christ and, and to make disciples of all nations. And, and you can even do that here in the United States. One of the things that I've said um, in, in conversations between my wife and I is that we need more Christians who are willing to move in to the difficult neighborhoods and, and cities in our country um, who are going to go there with a mindset of ministry and mission. And I think that we will make um, uh, incredible progress as a church. If, if we um, will take that responsibility <clears throat> upon ourselves.
2: Yes, I, I was just reminded of when my son and daughter were staying in a hotel uh, that's for missionaries, and they have other families that are coming in uh, from other countries, that they were next door to a couple uh, that were just, they didn't have very much English language. They were trying to struggle in the culture. And it was really neat to watch them uh, take this couple under their, their wing and, and, uh, and work with them, help them work through the process. Some things are very confusing in our culture for somebody that's coming in. And, you know, how do I get my driver's license? All those kinds of things. They just saw it as an opportunity for actually to, to, to bring Christ into these, these people's lives. Because they were fulfilling a need, and and they just had eyes uh, to do that. Yeah, and I, I think that's a challenge for us. Yeah, I I would close by saying this, and I
3: and you could you could push back on this, but I'm I'm saying this more from a pastoral perspective, knowing who our church is as Wellspring. Um, I would say uh, to to our church that um, it's not wrong to vote for for law and order when it comes to this issue. I don't think that it is. I think you can vote Republican if you want to say it like that, um, since their stance is more of being opposed to illegal immigration. Some would argue immigration altogether, but for the sake of, of our, our conversation, I don't think that's wrong to do that. But um, your perspective is far more persuasive when... Um, you are loving people who are immigrants. When you say, yeah, I'm opposed to it. But um, but this mandate in the scripture is so obvious that one night a week, I have people from other countries in my home that maybe they've never heard the gospel. And there are opportunities for that. Tyler just mentioned briefly some of them. Uh, 45 minutes from here down in Knoll, there's, there are uh, communities of people that are from the other side of the world. There are... Uh, college students that go to Southern mm-hmm. that are easy to. I mean, there are organizations that are that are their their only purpose is to connect Americans with international 70,
1: students. Seventy-five percent of international students in the United States never step foot inside a an American an home. American home in the
3: four years they're in school. Yeah, that's and a and we're in Southwest Missouri, and there are international students at Pitt State and at Missouri Southern, and uh, you you can you can find those. You, Pretty easily, uh, Google that and, and find organizations that can connect you. And, and you're doing that regularly. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna change our heart when it comes to this issue because people matter. Um, so I think it, yeah, we we're talking about the tension. Um, I think you can, you can vote in a way that, that it can, that desires law and order when it comes to, to people coming to the country. But having people there in your, in your home every single week. Changes your perspective, and it gives you a lot more credibility when it comes to projecting your political views, quote unquote, yeah. um, to to the world because you take the biblical mandate seriously.
0: Right. There's nothing about Romans 13 that precludes us from continuing to love. Yeah. Especially those who who don't speak like us and who don't look like us. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts um, are this: I'm a, I'm a multiracial kid who grew up on the border. Uh, of Texas and Mexico in El Paso, who is now taking his family of seven to the other side of the world to be immigrants in Southeast Asia. I can identify as all kinds of different things. In fact, I've got a backpack in the next room. It's got two flags on it. One is what I think is going to be one of the best countries that ever existed the United States. The other one is the second best country that ever existed (laughs) in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day... Revelation 5.9 tells me where my true identity lies, where my true citizenship lies. Yes. And because of Jesus Christ and his blood, I was bought and adopted into his family, which means regardless of where you're from, what language you speak, you know, for those of you who uh, are also bought and adopted into the family of God, you're, you're my family. Mm-hmm. You know, Even if you were born on the other side of the world. Which is what compels, you know, Tyler and, and me and many others to go and seek out those who who God has to set apart for himself. Uh, so, identity. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Are you a child of God first or are you something else? And I think that's what we have to wrestle with with mm-hmm. regard to what scripture says.
2: Yeah. We once were strangers and aliens. That's mm-hmm. right. But God welcomed us in.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Wellspring podcast. Uh, please subscribe. Tell your friends if you think this conversation, this podcast would be edifying to them. Next week, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about emotions. Uh, maybe a bit of an obscure topic, but uh, I think there's a lot for us to talk about. <laughs> I'm pretty upset about this. I am Tyler's yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I'm James. <laughs> I'm Tyler. I'm Phil. And I'm Scott. And thank you for joining us. Have a great week.